found in the book of Luke. There's some special verses for us to look at today. Some verses that will remind us of a long time ago, over 2,000 years when Jesus met with the disciples and had communion. And so would you turn with me to Luke, the 22nd chapter, verses 7 through 15, and I want to share that with you today. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Thank you. Then came the day of unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall ye meet a man uh, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where, the, where he entereth in. And he shall say unto the good man of the house, The master hath uh, saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall show you a large upper room, furnished there, make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire, I have desire, to eat this cup with you. Before I suffer, may God add his blessings to those words. Bow with us, would you, as we pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we come homely, boldly to the throne of grace that we might be able to find that strength that we need to share the words that we should, to know the things that we need to do, that today might be the day that someone would find you as Savior, that we might be able to step in in our lives closer to you to be able to do your will more than ever before. We ask you, Lord, to bless the reading of your word today, that it might go out to us, that we might be able to be drawn to your side, that we might be able to realize, Lord, that not only did you say it to the disciples, but to us today. And we just ask you, Lord, to guide us in the message that you've laid on my heart. Hide me behind the cross, Lord, that you only might be seen and heard. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> John 6:35 Jesus said, "I am the bread of life, and he that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst." I think often of the woman at the well. What a beautiful story of salvation we find in the Bible how that she came to get the water that her physical body was going to need, but was about to find out that there's another kind of water that the soul needs to be able to have, and the thirsting will come when we meet Jesus. I believe with all my heart that God wants to save every soul that has ever been born, but it doesn't all happen. And it, is, it does not hinge on the lack of love that the Lord might have for his creation. It hinges on the response of, of the people of the world to say yes to a love of God that comes by way of Jesus and the cross. And as we look at these verses, it seems like they were preparing for something very final in the life of Jesus. He had just had some three plus years of ministry and these disciples had walked with him. And as we look at the story, we can seem to hear John's gospel in the 15th chapter and the 13th verse that says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And the next verse says, ye are my friends, if you do whatsoever I command you. 
And so that's the call for us today. I believe we need to hear Jesus say, with desire, I desire to have this communion with you today. And that's how relevant the scriptures are. That's how important it is for us to look, to see. And you know, as I began this week several times trying to sum up the uh, and stumbling on the song that said Jesus paid it all, uh, the words kept coming to my mind that, that God was sending his son, that we might praise him, that we might know that the definition for the sending of God's son and the response that we need to have and the feeling that we can feel in our hearts is forgiven. You know, religions of the world has many uh, aspects and one word often describes different religions. One would be a word that says done. But we know that Christianity, the religion, the belief in Almighty God through Jesus has also one word, and that is do. And we need to do that. And, but we know that Jesus has done what it took to make that a completed thing for us. And so as we think about what uh, the Bible says about uh, salvation, we see in Paul's letter in Ephesians 1, 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sin, sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. You know, I hear people today silent, kind of wavery about their salvation and the security that they have as a believing in Jesus person. But I want you to know that salvation is a surety that God made it possible that if you get it, you keep it. And there's no other way around the fact that, that when we realize that uh, Isaiah 1.18 says, Though our sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. They won't turn to scarlet again, and those sins will stain, blood will cleanse. Someone said once, you know, I don't understand. Blood will stain. You put blood on a white garment, and you have stained that thing. So how does the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse us? I don't know exactly, but I just know that it does. I just know that the, the cleansing blood of Jesus Christ can enter the soul of a person, and salvation can come and we'll find the cleansing that Jesus made possible at Calvary. And that's what it's all about. Sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Wow! Jesus knows what he can do. And that indeed he has the cleansing power. So I ask you the question as the song often does. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? Have you been to Jesus for his cleansing power? He wants you to come today if you haven't. You know what happened? Jesus paid a debt that we owed but we couldn't pay. And he paid the price at Calvary. He paid it all. You know, as we think about salvation and all that it means to us, I remember reading a story once about a, a man and his son was often found walking together. They had a, a very close relationship with one another and the mother and or wife had already passed on and the father and the son was just always together. But there came a day when the father died, or rather the son, the son died. And the father was devastated, but he made a will. And it wasn't long till the father also passed away. And so he had, been dire he had directed a, 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 a local auctioneer to have a sale of the properties and the things, the belongings that they had when and if he passed away, and he did. And so the auction was called and the crowd gathered to see what all the many things that he had gathered would bring and would sell for and what a bargain they could get. And the auctioneer, first of all, took a picture of his son, and he held it up. And what am I bid for the picture of Mr. Jones's son? No one said a word. No one bid a price, not even a dollar, not even 50 cents. No one said anything 
except one in the crowd said, let's get on with the good stuff. And finally, a lady in the back who had been a housekeeper for the, for the two said, I bid $5. And so auctioneer said, going once, going twice, sold to the lady. And she came up and picked up the picture, went back and sat down, and she began to feel on the back of the picture there was a bulge. And she kind of opened, cracked it open to where she could pull out a piece of paper. And she stood up and she read, Whoever is willing to purchase my son's picture inherits all that I have. And you know, that's what it's all about with salvation, isn't it? Whoever is willing to take Jesus as the sole person, as that person that we can not purchase ourselves but receive from the purchase he made at Calvary, if we are willing to take Jesus to that extent, then God says, you inherit all I own. What a promise. What a wonderful thing it is to know that we can have that cradled in our hearts. Now let me read 22.7. Then came the day. You know, as I read those verses, I thought about, you know, Jesus had been able to be with the disciples quite a bit. The disciples had very much of confusion in their hearts because they really didn't understand, even as Jesus had already said, that he was going to be arrested and die and go to the cross. You know, one of the things I feel like of the disciples, one of them was named Judas. You remember Judas, don't you? Judas was the person who betrayed Jesus. But do you know what I believe about Judas? I believe that Judas probably was a person that Jesus had tried for three some plus years to win his heart. Jesus loved Judas just as much as he loved Peter and James and John and the others. And maybe, just maybe, Judas took it a little too far because even some other of the disciples felt like that Jesus was here to set up a kingdom on earth. Maybe Judas was disappointed in the fact that is he going to die and leave us alone? And so G Judas was the one who betrayed Jesus with just a few pieces of silver. Wow. The Bible says it would have been better if the son of perdition had never been born. It would have been better if he had not been the person who would betray Jesus. Did he have a choice? Oh, but yes, he did. Don't take the choice away from Judas or anyone else because the choice, the, the offer is made to the world entirely to the world. But some do not make the choice that's right. And we find that rejecting Jesus causes us to commit the unpardonable sin. What is the unpardonable sin the Bible talks about? Is there a sin that will send us to hell? Yes, there is. Only one. Only one sin of all the sins that's mentioned in the scriptures will send you to hell and not let you go to heaven. And that's the sin of rejecting Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of your life. That's the only sin. And you know, though someone might say that so-and-so has committed the unpardonable sin by, being, uh, by rejecting Jesus, you cannot say that in a full sense of the word until you see them breathe their last breath because you might be in the process of committing the unpardonable sin. But until the last opportunity passes, you will not have committed it until breath has left and you have left, not for heaven, but for hell, the unpardonable sin. So Jesus was traveling with the disciples. 
they were walking into the city, the holy city of Jerusalem, and he began to talk to the disciples about many things. And one of the things I believe that Jesus said just before they would gather for the, for the communion, for the Passover, for the Last Supper that uh, they were calling it, Jesus asked Peter and James and John and the others, said, who do you all feel that the world is saying that I am? Have you heard others say something about me? Jesus really wanted to know what the world thought about him. But I want you to listen to the conversation as they continued. One said, they, they think you might be Elias. One thing, think you might be John the Baptist, who had been the forerunner of Jesus and had already been beheaded, had died. Some says a prophet. Others, maybe Jeremiah. And then Jesus looked probably at Peter because he knew Peter would respond. And he said, yes, okay, but I want to ask you a question. Who do you say that I am? You see, it mattered to Jesus what the world thought, but it matters most what his children think. And if I were to ask you that question today, and Jesus may well want to ask it in silence, who do you think Jesus is? Who do you think I, Jesus said, the Son of Man is? Would we answer like Peter did? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God? Would you say that? Could you say it with all the intent of your heart? Is that who you think Jesus is? You know, sometimes we have a misconception of what, uh, what it means to follow Jesus. There in the, in the Last Supper, when they sat down, Jesus began to say, Now one of you will betray me. And did you know all, most of them, if not all, said, Lord, is it I? Would I dare betray you? Did you know that Judas also said that same thing? But the Bible says, then Satan entered his heart and drove him in a direction that he probably didn't really want to go and had remorse over it when he did. But he did do what Satan wanted him to do. As we think about God, Jesus, Lord, Savior, whatever it might feel to you. There's one song that helps me in my daily life. And the song simply says, I need thee every hour. Every hour we need Jesus. Every moment of every day, every circumstance, in every way, we need Jesus. May God help us to realize that there's nothing that's insignificant in your life that God through Jesus is not concerned with. The Holy Spirit is here to guide you. The comforter that Jesus would send back because he would have to go back to heaven. Would he have to? Well, God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. And so to go back was to prepare for those who would accept him as Savior to make a place. And God is working for you today, right this moment. Maybe he already has your place in heaven prepared. You know, I, I have a, a funeral of a real good friend this week on Wednesday, and I covet your prayers. A fellow that I worked with for many years, and I'd like you to remember the Lester Emery family in prayer. And uh, we'd be going to Hardensburg for that funeral. But anyhow, I, I just was realizing that we need to know that that day is coming for us all. So if tomorrow was not afforded to you, what would be on your heart and mind to do today? Would it be do something for Jesus? 
would it be take of the Lord's Supper together here in one of the most sincere and awesome and loving ways that you've ever done? May God help us to realize that Jesus would pay it all. And he said, go prepare a place to the disciples. We know that that was an upper room, as the scripture says. That was above the crowd. The crowd was taking part of the Passover, and we know that God instituted the Passover way many thousand years earlier when with Moses and Joshua they committed themselves to have a remembrance of the time that God delivered the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, into the realms of the promised land. It is so much like that for you and I today. God has delivered you, child of God, from the bondages of sin. He has brought you into the realms of the promised land. And someone said, I can't wait to experience eternal life. I want to say to you today, I am experiencing eternal life today. I am experiencing the one-on-one with Jesus today. And though the miraculous, wonderful experience that I will have that goes beyond, beyond that, I am experiencing the wonderful promise that Jesus gives us all. And so the Bible says this do in remembrance of me. And we know that God wants us to do that. I'm so, so fond of Peter's writings, his response there. And let me finish what Jesus said when, when Peter responded, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, Peter, you're right. And upon this kind of faith I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And though my friend Satan is tearing at the churches and at Christian people today, God knows that Satan will lose in the end and so must we. I've read the last chapter. I've seen the last page. I've heard the last voice. I know the things that God has in mind and many times man thinks he's in control. He's got another thing coming. God is in control. May we look to that every day. So Peter would say in his writings of his epistle, 1 Peter, the first chapter, and very fond and familiar verses to me, and I I say it often as I go down the road. In the third verse, Peter said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in those last times. We are living in the last times. I believe Jesus is on his way back, and it might take 10 minutes or 10,000 years, I don't know, but Jesus is coming back. One of these days, we will see Jesus Will you be ready when Jesus comes? Will you be washed in the blood of the Lamb? Will you know that he's coming to get you too? What about that? I want us to have a time of invitation, and I want to do it a little different today. I want you to stand with me as we have an invitation hymn. And I want us to stand to make a commitment to answer the call that Jesus has just asked the disciples and asked you and I today. He said, I have desire to have this communion with you. And if you feel that you have that desire to commune with Jesus today, your standing is making that an answer to Jesus. Yes, we do. As we sing this invitation.